Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Both hailing from parts unknown at a combined weight of 501 pounds. They are the Morning Rush Hour World Tag Team Champions. They have no fear, no back down, just a couple of gutsy guys. No one will take those MRH World Tag Titles from these men. It's Taz, it's the Moose, illustrious champions, right here every day on CBS Sports Radio. You know it's every day, Moose and Taz be paving the way. Talking about every sport, you know that they never missing the play. From the NBA to the NFL, the college games. They always bring in the knowledge, nobody ever can try to go stop it. Only be talking the truth, only be talking the truth, hey. All right, it is Taz and the Moose with you right here on CBS Sports Radio as we come to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. Home is more than a house. It's a personal paradise. Get yours with Rocket Mortgage. Push button. Get mortgage. Mike Pete across the way. Andrew filling in for Taz, who's off here on this Thursday morning. He'll be back with us uh, tomorrow morning as we kick off this hour. The NFL commissioner, interestingly enough, there were NFL meetings down in FLA yesterday. And a big talking point coming out of the uh, coming out of the Lions and Packers game on uh, was the the whole scenario surrounding the penalties that were called um, and uh, the Trey Flowers hands the face penalties. Here's Roger Goodell uh, talking about uh, the fact of how difficult Monday Night Football was to watch. Take a listen. I joke, but I'm not joking. I, I think uh, I'm close to 40 years, and I think there's always a two- or three-week period where there's an intense focus on it. But listen, you never want to see a game uh, where people are talking about officials afterwards. It was a great football game uh, played by two great teams that are really, um, I think, surprising a lot of people about the quality of the way they're playing. And uh, it's tough. It's tough to to be in that situation. So we have to continue to do everything to improve officiating. Um, uh, you know, Al and his team and Troy and, and everyone, we're all focusing on how do we continue to prepare our officials, obviously using technology when we can. Yeah, well, and we'll get to the pass interference rules here momentarily and his comments on that and also on a 17-game schedule. Listen, some could make the argument as long as you're in the media and people are talking about you, it's good press, right? All press is good press. I mean, for the most part. Um, But I don't think the NFL wants – they want conversation about the league. They want conversation about the play. They want conversation of, did you see that? How good are the 49ers? Look at Brady and the brilliance of the Patriots, maybe to a lesser extent. Uh, But um, I don't think it's ever good for the league here, Andrew – when there has just been this constant conversation about the officiating, the lack of consistency, the bad calls that you see on an NFL Sunday or Sunday night or Monday night or Thursday night, um, you know, what could prove to be game-changing calls, momentum-changing calls, I don't think that's ever good for a league. 
except for the fact that no one's going anywhere. We're still going to games. We're still watching games. People are still covering games. No one's walking away going, this is, you know, this is BS. I can't do this anymore. I'm not going to defend this league or cover this league or work this league. I, I mean, I, I think it's horrible. And I, I, I think the commissioner, as, as you would expect him to do, is grossly downplaying the situation uh, and trying to dismiss it as like this is just kind of the, the course of action here and this is how, what we thought was going to happen. I mean, there, there's ways where there is – you know, there's always going to be debate. We, you and I, may see a play, um, and we have in the past. I mean, I, we, I was here the morning after. I don't, was it the national title game or one of the previous round where there was a foul late and the free throws won at the line, and you said you can't make a, you can't make that call in that spot, and I said yes, you can. Like, oh, that was the that was the Virginia game, right? So, I mean, there is, you know, there's there's room to have like normal, healthy debate. We can yeah. see things, see a particular play in two different ways. Correct. The NFL keeps finding itself in a conversation about incompetence, not just a judgment call that went one way, could have gone the other. We're talking about guys just not making the right decision, the right call, mismanaging in terms of the actual like logistics of a play or a penalty, mismanaging that. And then you throw in the possibility and the inconsistency of this ridiculous now replay system for pass interference where – it's it clear pass interference is missed on the field and then not fixed through replay to the point where, as we've discussed, we've got guys thinking that this is that the, the refs out for spite against the coaches because the coaches were so upset by the Saints-Rams game last year. This is not the normal run-of-the-mill heated debate. And for the commissioner to kind of brush it aside is, is disappointing and annoying. But again, we're all we're, we're going to be there tonight and we're going to be there Sunday Frothing yeah, at the mouth for football. No, and and, and I get it, but uh, you know, there are long-term ramifications. There might not be short-term, to play to your point. The ratings are up. People are watching. Yep. You know, where it's legal, people are betting on it. You can't bet on it enough. Player props, halftime, quarters, first half, second half, game, whatever it might be. I mean, uh, you know, uh, football's the easiest game to bet on, right? And so, uh, you know. That's not that's not going anywhere. You're right. The popularity of the game, but could it have long term ramifications? Could it be a case of you're not churning over the same amount of fans at a younger age that you need, you know, to keep this sport at the level that it is right now? I mean, if this if this nonsense and ineptitude does continue, that would be the fear that I'd have. Where you know, I'm not the arrogant NFL commissioner that's coming out and saying, ah, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, we, we'll work our way through it or what have you. Paraphrasing now. I'm not, I'm not going to do any of that. But, you know, I'm not that guy. But I also think that if it does continue, Andrew, you know, there could be significant issues for the National Football League in terms of its popularity long term. Because I have to be honest, I've had more people tell me this year the game is unwatchable and it's not a good product. Then, then I'm not just talking about Thursday night. I've had, you know, I don't right. like the Thursday night product, but I mean, we and we never will, and, and I never will. But we've talked about it time and time again. The Thursday night product's a bad product, but it's another sellable, uh, uh, another thing that the NFL can sell, another package the NFL can sell and, and make money off of. Okay, so be it. That'll never go away. But I'm talking about NFL Sundays where people are sitting there watching games and saying, "I'm having a hard time watching it." We joked around about the other day when Jim Nance is complaining about the fact that on six consecutive plays, there were penalties called. That's a problem if you're the National Football League. And I would hope, it'd be my belief, 
like LeBron Moose, that they're having more serious conversations amongst themselves in private so. at headquarters uh, to get this all together. That they're not actually the line, you know, the, the 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 real company policy isn't just you know, la 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 la, can't hear you, things are fine. Uh, that they are trying to fix this. And then we go from this conversation to Goodell confirming that they're talking about a 17th game for the regular season. So now we're throwing another game for everybody around the league that just opens up all of the possibilities for just another batch of terrible calls or horrible injuries. So we're, they're going to give well, us more chances to be mad at them. Well, listen, before we get to the 17 games, here's Goodell yesterday talking about the new pass interference rules. Working, not working, take a listen. This is something that um, we spent a great deal of time, as you know, back in the February-March period, uh, something the coaches uh, felt very strongly. And I think they, they understood that uh, replay was not going to correct uh, every uh, instant replay or pass interference uh, close call. That, that is, we're not over-officiating here. We're not trying to uh, or possible to make it perfect. Um, and we're not reofficiating these plays. So the thought process was to correct the obvious and clear error. Uh, so uh, I think the numbers reflect that, that uh, if, it's, if it's something close and there's not obvious and clear evidence, it's going to stay with whatever is called on the field. And I think the, the data supports that. Uh, I think it's what we anticipated, the coaches anticipated, uh, but as you know, whenever there's a rule change, there's a there's a period of adaption, um, and there's a you know there's also a period of where people are testing to try to see. So coaches are testing to see what types of changes are going to be made. Are the officials going to be making changes? Uh, and I think it's settling out where we expected it. Well, I mean, it, this is what you expected. I mean, where you know the the data is supporting the fact of as he. I love people who throw in the you know the data, data, however way you, uh, <laughs> however way you pronounce yeah. it, uh, Andrew. But uh, you've seen you know unless it's he said unless it's clear, it's not going to get overturned. I, hold on a second now. I've seen. I mean, right. I've seen clear penalties that have been missed on the field that have gotten challenged by head coaches that uh, have not gotten overturned on the field. Now, the other factor that plays into it in terms of, well, if guys are consistently getting calls overturned, that's going to affect their career, correct? I mean, if I'm a guy that's throwing, you know, that's not throwing flags and I'm, you know, you know, deciphering play in the defensive backfield and I'm consistently having challenges thrown my way in games that I call uh, and that's consistently getting overturned, you know, then I'm going to be greatly affected as an NFL referee. Am I not? So, I mean, does that well, factor in? Is it a case bad. of, well, I agree with you. I mean, or is it a case, as you mentioned, Charles Robinson, Yahoo, saying that, you know, the referees are ticked off that this new rule is in place, so therefore they're being a little spiteful, so they're not going to overturn it unless it's some game-changing play. I mean, you can't tell me that was not pass interference in that Packers-Lions game on the you know second uh, on the last possession by the Lions right. uh, across the field, Stafford, in which the defensive back basically puts his arm across the chest of the Lions receiver. Yeah, that is pass interference as the, as, as the day is long. And right. should have been called in the moment. And I'm trying to remember now why... I mean, the Lions didn't challenge that. Could they not? I can't remember now the specifics of the game. It was not before two minutes. I mean, it was not under two minutes. 
Did they not have the ability to challenge? I forget if they did or did not. So like, so there's that play. But regardless and, of which, I mean, that play's got that penalty's got to be called correctly, right now. And I'm sure every single one person listening right now who roots for a different team has an example already through four or five or six games of where this situation directly applied to their team. I'm sitting here thinking about um, a Giants game two weeks ago, three weeks ago, where a play down the field was clearly pass interference, wasn't called, they review it, and it still wasn't pass interference. Um, and it, I don't know if it would have affected the outcome of the game, but it's just the... the, the, the well, that was Giants-Pats, down 21. Right, Shermer sorry. challenged Exactly, it, right. it was Giants-Pats. I, I don't know why I think it was Giants-Redskins the week before. Uh, no, but either, there was but, no pivotal play. No, no, it was game. not. So it is. So <laughs> you've, got, you've got the mechanism now to fix it, and it's not getting fixed. I... I I don't accept human error in the argument, Moose, of like, well, there shouldn't just be replay. Human error is like, it's part of the game. That's nonsense. Like, we, if we can fix something, we, sh- we can fix something. So I'll, there's a lot of leeway in me to, like, you miss a call, it happens. But now we've got the ability to fix it, let's go and fix it. And it's somehow not getting fixed. And, you know, the commissioner's definition of, like, clear and obvious maybe is not what everybody else's definition of clear and obvious is because there have definitely been plays that were clear and obvious pass interference that did not get fixed by this review. And that there's no way, this is not simple adaptation. Because that I mean, there, there is validity to that point in general where we've, there's every league goes through it. The NBA will go through it here soon as well, where there's new, they're leaning on new things for the referees to call. And earlier in the year, everybody calls it, and then it slowly fades away. This, this to me, is not one of those scenarios that's going to slowly fade away no. into everything being correct, and, and, and we're all happy with the situation. The situation was broken to begin with, and it, now it's broken in a different way. Well, it is, and once you go down the rabbit hole of reviewing penalties, then you say, well, why is one penalty more important than the other? Because one happened in a championship game as compared to another. Say it was hands to the face that, was called, that should have been called in the Rams and 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 Saints championship game. Does that mean that then that play would have been reviewed? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I mean, that's a point that Steve Young brought up on, on ESPN the other night, you know, after that Monday night game between the Lions and the Packers, and, and he's dead on correct. I mean, what makes one play more important to review over the course of another? Right. And once you go down that road, then you're opening up yourself up to speculation and conjecture and debate about what penalties should be reviewable here moving forward. And if you're the NFL and you're Roger Goodell, you know, I understand on, in the public face you're going to put, you know, keep the stiff upper lip. You know, the you know the world is not burning, the the the, the league is not a disaster. But yeah, hang in there; it'll be better soon. Right, but We're here's only in the, week seven, well, by the way. Because, but, but I I can understand that to an extent because if he came out and roundly criticized the officiating, right? No, of course not. I mean, not. then then you'd basically have a war, right? I mean, then you'd have I mean, then you'd have Al Riveron and the uh, you know the officials basically going tit for tat. With the NFL owners, I mean, then the battle would be on. But yeah. as you mentioned, although Andrew, I would sign up for that drama, I, I agree with you. That would be great. <laughs> It'd be great for what we do on right. a day in day out basis. Al Riveron's is locking himself in this whatever the dungeon they're in in New York but during games. Up, exactly right. But it opens up to how do you make this better? You know, you want full time officials? No, you know what? I, I mean, you know, the the loss of experience, guys. Now in the booth, where every network has got their own former official that's there reviewing plays. I mean, Fox has got a couple of them. Uh, you know, after bringing Dean Blandino aboard a couple of years ago, I mean, you know, is that the? I mean, the fact is, is that they lost a lot of experienced guys. Yeah. When you lose, you know, the likes of an Ed Hockley, you know, Mister Biceps and all, uh, and he's not the only one. They lost about four or five guys with a tremendous amount of experience and really a short amount of time. I, I there's there's probably 
a referee as I'm flipping through the Sunday ticket. I'll stumble on a game and there'll be a flag and the ref steps up to announce it and it's the first time I've seen him. I agree with you. Oh, okay. Well, welcome aboard. And it's so strange because I used to know them all. Right. And now you see guys, you're like, who the hell is that? I've never seen this guy before. I mean, I guess it's good that we don't know them on their way up and through the system, but it's just it, the the all the new faces and new voices that are in the mix uh, the, in the mix here is certainly part of the issue. Um, and I, I don't. We said this the other day. I don't. I don't believe that full time referees will make that much of a difference. I I think they're already close to being in terms of hours committed to the job full time. I just they need to be better. So many of these scenarios, Moose, are called incorrectly at the beginning. And then we get so then you're mixing in replay and and that how did he not see this and how did they over that wasn't clear that wasn't concise there's not enough to overturn it stands it's you know whatever if they just make the call correct in the beginning imagine how many of these scenarios never actually happen no I agree with you and listen it is a difficult game to call of course I mean you're talking about guys playing a very very physical barbaric violent sport. And play at very high speed. So, and when it gets slowed down, and with the use of instant replay, but when the use of slow motion, when it gets slowed down, you're sitting at home, you know, me, Joe Blow, sitting at home. How do you miss that call? I mean, that's as that's as clear as day. But then when you watch it in real time, I'm not talking about every call, but there are some calls when you watch it in real time, you say, well, I can understand why I missed it because I didn't see it. Right. It didn't look as obviously as over the top in your face on you know, real time as it does on replay when you're doing slow motion, which makes everything look like bigger right. than life. So, again, I'm, I'm, I'm forgiving. I think I'm a nice guy, and I make plenty of mistakes <laughs> at job. this job here, so I can't sit, you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you need to be perfect at your job, um, but I think a lot of these guys can be better at, at their jobs. There's, a, there's too many times where you're looking at a play and it, even live, and you're just like, that's not the right call. No, I know, and it got to be better. You're right. And you hinted upon and you touched upon briefly before, Andrew, and, and Goodell, Roger Goodell, the NFL commissioner, also addressed the potential of uh, you know, a 17-game regular season and said um, you know, that will be part of the new CBA talks, uh, you know, well, where the league would prepare to start the season after Labor Day, play deeper into the month of February, the NFL Network also reported that owners and players are at least interested in exploring a one-game reduction in the preseason accompanied by a move from 12 to 14 playoff teams. Now, the 17-game schedule is obviously interesting because, I mean, what do you have, one neutral site game a year? Yeah, I, mean, I think that's the plan. You mean, have... So you have one neutral site game every single year. Um, you're getting rid of a, you know, getting rid of obviously a preseason game, the expansion of playoffs. I mean, all that's interesting. I mean, fantastic. But the players are obviously for the expansion to even one more game are going to want a p- bigger piece of the pie. Yeah, and, and again, and so I, I don't know why this matters to me, but like, there's, there's no, we didn't get to 16 games through some kind of like scientific process. There was no experimentation or calculations. Like, th- this is just a random number that we landed on, and now we're just putting on another just for fun, just to make more money. And I I certainly like more real football. I think less preseason games is tremendous. I think another playoff round or two extra playoff teams is great as well. Um, but, I, you know, you can't escape now. Every single weekend, a guy unconscious on his back getting looked at and his face mask is taken off and guys in the concussion protocol, and now we're going to make him play a whole other game that actually matters and then don't forget, we had that weird conversation about like 
affecting playing time and like mandatory weeks off for players and like when when would the Pats sit Tom Brady and how and quarterbacks would be exempt from this like th- this is getting way too out of hand too complicated I'd prefer them to fix all of the things we're worried about now the refereeing and players safety before they even get to the idea of just randomly adding another game of the schedule Ryan Wilson CBS Sports NFL analyst and reporter is going to join Andrew and myself who will join us next it is Taz of the Moose on a Thursday morning right here CBS Sports Radio It's Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. All right, let's welcome board right now. Ryan Wilson, CBS Sports NFL analyst, reporter, does a great job, friend of the program. Hey, Ryan, Mark Malusis, Andrew Bogish. Taz is off here on this Thursday morning, so no Benny Snell conversation. But how you doing, buddy? After Benny Snell's big game, too. I know. That's exactly right. I know. He's celebrating. (laughs) Exactly right. Uh, Ryan, a lot to get into. You know, Andrew and I kicked off this hour, um, you know, after the the commissioner's address yesterday. Um, Number one, let's start here. How how big of an issue do you think it is uh, for the NFL? He's kind of downplaying it, but the officiating, the amount of flags, the lack of consistency we're seeing here through the first six weeks. It seems to be a huge issue. It's a huge issue for fans, uh, for media, for coaches, for players. But here's what, I, what I've been saying. I don't think the NFL cares. And the reason I don't think they care, in part, it was because of what we heard from Roger Goodell yesterday. But the only time I've seen them really nervous and really try to uh, respond to, to sort of some, some public outcry was when we had the issue with Colin Kaepernick taking a knee and some people were sending tweets. And that seemed to get the owner's attention. That seemed to get Roger Goodell's attention. Memos were out. Plans were made about staying in the locker room. We have seen none of that. There's no urgency to fixing this. Uh, Goodell said that Al River on the head of officials is doing a good job, and everyone knows that, including now that that's not true. Uh, so, you know, that's where we are. I don't think they care. I think people are watching, and yes, they're angry, but guess what? They're still watching. So we were discussing that too, Ron. Like, so you know, both Moose and I thought that maybe you know Goodell says one thing, but then goes back to headquarters and they have real conversations about fixing things, but you you think that they don't care, and what he said out loud yesterday is basically company policy right now. I think they want to get it right, but there's no urgency as, as there was with the with the um, American, the uh, national anthem issue a few years ago. I, I think, you know, I mean, obviously you don't want guys uh, uh, affecting the outcome of games, and that's exactly what happened in, in that Packers-Lions game. There's no two ways about it. I know people are like, well, the Lions didn't play well in the second half. Well, sure, that's fine. They still should have won, and it shouldn't have been because of the officials making terrible calls. I think they want to fix it. I just don't think there's that urgency there that we've seen with other sort of bigger issues for them. You know, Ryan, how about the the 17 game schedule here? Um, you know, he touched upon that as well. Uh, you know, there've been reports about you know eliminating a preseason game expansion of playoffs from 12 to 14 teams. How about all that here moving forward? We know the NFL owners want more regular season games, and maybe now adding a neutral site game for every team in the National Football League. Um, you know, but how doable is this? I mean, do you think the players would be open to the idea? Obviously, they want something for it, but how doable do you think this is? No, they're not. They're not open to the idea. If recent memory is any any guy, Eric Winston, the um, uh, I think he's the head of the NFLPA for the players, the president. Uh, I'm not sure of his title, but former player 
uh, spokesperson for the players in, in terms of these NFLPA issues. He's been on record for a couple of years now saying that this doesn't make any sense, and I think a lot of people agree. And if Goodell and NFL are serious about reducing head injuries, the solution isn't to add another football game. And you can say, well, we're just replacing one with the other. Uh, we know, everyone knows, that the only people playing in week four are guys working for that 52-53 man roster spot. And, um, look, I understand the, the logistics of it and the economics of it. The, the owners want to make more money. That's been clear from, from the start. But the, the consequence is that you're going to have guys getting injured more often, not only head injuries but ACL injuries and, and, and the like. So, yeah, I know that we're headed down this road, but the players I don't think are going to be happy about it no matter how much you compensate them. Well, and, and one thing I want to follow up there with, you, Ryan, is this. Aren't they concerned about quality of play here? I mean, listen, they're forcing this Thursday night game. And overall, I know we've had some have been quite good games, entertaining games. Overall, it's not been a good product, right? Hmm. And NFL players don't like it. They don't like coming back short work week, you know, you know, home team at clearly advantage as compared to the road team. But they don't like playing a game that quickly and that kind of a turnaround. I get the NFL owners want more and more revenue streams. I understand that, but... You also got to be concerned about the quality of the game because you want to consistently be churning out those younger fans and making sure that they're lifelong NFL fans. They're not turned off by the game at a young age. And that's basically what Mark Cuban said a few years ago. And I think his point is that the NFL doesn't care. They're short-sighted in this. The owners in particular are short-sighted in that they want to make their money now and then they'll deal with, with anything that changes down the road. I mean, this is such a cash cow that I, I imagine most owners can't envision a situation where no one is, people are going to quit watching football. But you're exactly right, and um, the players have made that known for quite some time. Um, I think you could say it's fallen on deaf ears. We had the conversation, 2011 was the last CBA, where they were really pushing that 18-game schedule, and it went away for about two and a half years, and now it's slowly creeped back into the conversation now that the new CBA is coming up. And I feel like it, it's, a, it's a runaway train. I don't know how they're going to keep the 17-game schedule from happening. Uh, just based on the history of how much power Roger Goodell kept, how much the owners made out over the players in the 2011 CBA. And it's, it's unfair in terms of billionaires trying to battle with guys who make millions and then sometimes less than that. But, that, but that's the situation, and I feel like that's what the players are going to have to deal with, whether they like it or not. And clearly, I think you're right, Moose, they don't like it. And, and Ryan, I'm trying to remember now, is this one of the things that at the end of the day when push comes to shove, the NFL can just do it without the players signing off on it? That I'm not sure about, uh, you know, because it's a uh, – it's a uh, collectively collectively bargain, so I'm not sure how that fits in that. There are some things, right, that they eventually the league can just say we're doing it, deal with it. That the, the interesting thing for me, Andrew, is that that didn't happen in 20, 2011. Right, that got pretty contentious, and they did not push that through. I can't imagine that would have been the the one thing they held back on. But that that's a good point, something that uh, clearly worth knowing, especially if you're if you're the players' association. Well, let me ask you this then: Are, are we still? Are there still people talking about that, which came up? I don't know, weeks or months ago, about like having almost rolling. Um, buys for players where guys have to be inactive for a certain number of games is that part of this conversation still too uh, i think they're working through all that i'm just laughing because the, the logistics and the hoops they have to jump through to make all this work when no one except for 33 right, people it's crazy it's nuts and i think the the fans in general don't want it but again you, you, it's an audience of 31 if you, there's no packers on or 31 plus roger goodell who has to do the bidding um, so, yeah, we'll see. I, I suspect it'll get crazier before it, it starts making more sense, if ever, if it ever makes any sense. We're talking to Ryan Wilson, CBS Sports NFL analyst, reporter. One thing that I do love now, Ryan, which is I think is great for the league, is the fact that you're getting trades happening in the league. Um, and 
You know, for a long time, it was a case of nobody makes trades in the National Football League. I mean, the NFL trade deadline would come and go, and it'd be basically like, you know, it would be a ghost town. There'd be no movement. Uh, and now, all of a sudden, it's picked up steam here. Uh, you know, it's picked up steam in the offseason. You know, you got a couple big trades this week as Peters goes from Los Angeles to the Baltimore Ravens. Then the Rams make the big move and get Jalen Ramsey from the Jacksonville Jaguars. I do think that's a good thing. I'm not telling you that everything that goes along with those trades is good. And Ramsey with the back injury and forces his way out of Jacksonville. <laughs> but I do think the fi- idea of trades happening between teams in the NFL, I do think that's a good thing for the league. I'm with you 100%. I absolutely love it. Um, it sort of started with the Marcus Peters trade a few days ago. I love that move for the Ravens. That defense is not what it has been. In fact, that team goes through Lamar Jackson, the offense, which is sort of a weird thing to say about the Ravens. Here's my question about the Rams. I understand what they're doing, but is Jalen Ramsey worth two first-round picks more than what Marcus Peters is bringing you on a play-by-play basis? Marcus Peters is actually having a pretty good year this year. He had an interception um, against the 49ers, a, a good play last Sunday. I know it can be a headache. But you just talked about the, the mysterious back injuries that only plagued Jalen Ramsey on Mondays and Tuesdays the last few weeks. <laughs> so it's not like he's a model citizen. That said, is Jalen Ramsey one of the best cornerbacks in the league? Absolutely. Does he deserve a new contract? Without doubt. But I don't know if it's worth two first-rounders. The Rams, when this is all said and done, will not have had a first-rounder between 2017 and 2021. Now, it has worked for them, but the last going back to the last January, this has not been a good football team. So I understand what they're doing. I don't know if it's magically going to fix everything, even if Ramsey is worth the contract. I don't know if he's necessarily worth those draft picks. And what about that contract? Do you, do you think they know what it'll take to get done, or are they really kind of starting from scratch on an extension talk with him? Well, I think you go to the top of the, the, the page as to the highest-paid cornerbacks, and then you go slightly above that. I think Xavier Howard's currently the highest-paid cornerback, and that's the starting point. There's no way, sort of like the Zeke Elliott conversation, there's no way Jalen Ramsey's going to settle for being number two. And the other issue, which Deion Sanders made, and, and um, I give him credit for this, is that Jalen Ramsey's not going to love paying taxes in California when there's no state, uh, state sales tax there's no tax in, in Florida. So that's something else he may want to consider into his, his contract and that the Rams may have to deal with as well. But, again, he's a fantastic player. But I do want to see how he impacts that defense because the simple solution is just don't throw to him. I mean, they, have, they had four cornerbacks after trading Marcus Peters and after putting the key to leave on the IR and after, before the trade. Two of those cornerbacks hadn't played a snap this season. So it's not like they magically picked their secondary by trading for one player. You know, Ryan, uh, how about from a Jaguar perspective? They get rid of the headache, uh, you know, from, you know, now obviously it's difficult to, to replace a, a talent of Jalen Ramsey, but what about what, from a Jags perspective? Uh, did you like what they did here? Yeah, no, I think they made out. It, it was clear that Ramsey and, and, and the ownership didn't get along with coaches, uh, Tom Coughlin, everyone up to – I don't think this is all Ram, Ramsey's fault, by the way. I just think the the two sides – weren't meant to be together. So, uh, you know, they're going their separate ways. I think that for the Jaguars, they get the two first-round picks, another fourth-round pick out of it. That's a fantastic haul. I mean, think about this. Uh, a month ago, a month and a half ago, the Steelers gave up a first-rounder for Minka Fitzpatrick, who was a top-five-level defensive back. Uh, and people were like, oh, my God, I can't believe you did that. The Jaguars doubled down, uh, doubled down on that in terms of their draft haul. So um, I-, I love it. I think you can find a cornerback that clearly isn't as good as Jalen Ramsey, but a very good cornerback in the draft or free agency. And you can go from there. I don't think they're doing anything this year, but I was never on the Jaguars' bandwagon heading into 2019. What about the rest of that division? Is it, is it just Houston and Indianapolis, and who do you like the most in the South right now, Ryan? 
Well, Andrew, the quarterback for the Tennessee Titans is Ryan Tanhill, so I'm going to go ahead and mark them <laughs> off the list. Yeah. <laughs> and the backup is now Marcus Mariota, which is a sad state of affairs for him. So, yeah, here's the great thing about the Texans. And the whole conversation since this summer has been, can they protect Deshaun Watson? He was sacked 62 times last year. Last two games, he has not been sacked. That has never happened in his career in the NFL. Uh, the Colts were banged up defensively, but they had a week off. Huge win over Kansas City two weeks ago. So, right, these are the two teams. I love Jacoby Brissett. He has never been the issue. Um, Chris Ballard, the GM, was never worried about that after Andrew Luck retired, so I think that's a huge gift for them. But, right, it's down to those two teams, I feel like, in the South. You know, Ryan, I- I'm-, I'm curious with Mariota and with Jameis Winston. Um, you, know, the- you mentioned in terms of the Titans turning the page on Marcus and giving the starting job to Tannehill, and Mariota was not good. It was awful last week in Denver. Winston is back to his turnover machine ways, even with Arians as the head coach down there in Tampa Bay. You know, do you think, you know, obviously Tennessee's going to go in another direction. Um, You know, what about Tampa Bay down there? You know, do you look at those two quarterbacks as having a hard time, you know, kind of recalibrating themselves as starters in the NFL? I think it's it's over for both. Look, if, if Bruce Arians cannot fix you, there is no fixing you. You are destined to the life of a backup quarterback at some point. And the thing, someone made this point, this is a good point. Uh, Jameis and Marcus were both drafted in 2015. It is atypical for a quarterback uh, of Jameis's interception prowess to continue to be on the field four or five years into his career because those guys typically get benched. So it's weird to see him, <laughs> a guy in his uh, fifth year, throwing five interceptions in the middle of the season because he should have been benched a long time ago, and they just didn't have the – the backups around him to do that. And I think, look, Bruce Harris can tell he wants about how Jameis is guy and it's going to work out. It's not going to work out. They're drafting a quarterback and they're going to find one in free agency. I feel like more than Jameis, Marcus Mariota has never looked this bad. So is he injured? And that was one of the things that plagued him early in his career. Is something else going on? Because it seems like either he has no confidence, he's injured, or some combination of both. Um, will they continue to play in the NFL? Of course. Uh, Ryan, like I said, Ryan Tannehill is still in the NFL, and he's a starting quarterback now. But the, <laughs> I don't think there's a situation where they get right and then suddenly become um, NFL starting. I will say this, though, and someone made this point the other day. I would actually trade. I was asked this question. I would actually trade Marcus Mariota for Jared Goff to see Marcus Mariota play with Sean McVay. I think that may work. But typically speaking, uh, I think those guys are destined to be backups. Can you see the Panthers? Well, I guess can you see somebody wanting to trade for Cam Newton? Yeah, so he weeks? has to be healthy. I think if Cam Newton's 100% healthy, and we don't know when that's going to be, I think you start him over Kyle Allen. Kyle Allen's been fantastic, of course. But um, there's a shoulder issue with Cam. There's a foot issue with Cam. He can't be out there limping around, you know, short hopping passes. He has to be 100% healthy, and who knows when that's going to be. And, if look, if they love Kyle Allen, yeah, absolutely trade Cam Newton. But I, I would be hesitant to do that if I were the Panthers. You know, Ryan, I want to ask you about the Chiefs here. Well, I, you know, I wasn't the only one, but I was on their train. You know, this is going to be the year for Andy Reid, redemption tour after the tough loss last year in the championship game. I'm really concerned about that Kansas City team. Uh, you know, put the injuries aside. Well, the injuries have played a role. They're, you know, getting beat at the offensive line. Spagnola's defense not exactly been better, you know, as compared to where they were a year ago. Uh, they can't run the football. Um, I'm a little concerned about where this chief team is. They haven't played. They haven't played really good football for quite some time here. No, and we're not even talking about the no-look passes anymore. We're talking about, okay, Patrick Mahomes is hobbled in the backfield. He's not moving like he usually does. That's affecting everything else. Eric Fisher, the left tackle, is out. Chris Jones, defensive end, is out. Frank Clark hasn't worked out in terms of being a pass rusher. Sammy Watkins had a huge week one and then disappeared because of injuries. So, I mean, you're exactly right. It is piled up on them. They've lost two in a row, both at home. 
to the Colts and to the Texans. And they should have lost to the Lions. And they should have lost to the Lions, absolutely. So, I, I mean, you know who loves this? The Patriots. They're just sitting there licking their chops, whipping up on the AFC East, um, and the rest are, in the AFC are sort of duking it out. I don't know how you fix it quickly because everyone has to get healthy. And, and if Patrick Mahomes isn't healthy, that's a non-starter. So I don't know what voodoo Andy Reid's going to have to do, but he needs to start doing it. Final one for you. How much pressure right now is on Garrett down there in Dallas? Loses a three straight. I mean, you want to talk. I mean, Jerry Jones saying Garrett's not the only issue. No, they've got other issues, and I get they were missing their two tackles. You cannot go on the road after losing two straight. I know Darnold back at quarterback and give you that kind of performance at MetLife Stadium in front of basically about 40,000 Cowboys fans. I mean, every time when Elliott went into the touchdown in the fourth quarter, I mean, that place rocked like it was AT&T Stadium. How, what about Garrett and now losers of 3-0 and or 3 in a row after that 3-0 start? Yeah, it doesn't get any easier either because they play the Eagles and they have a week off. Look, if they get smoked by the Eagles, that week off is going to be a long week for Jason Garrett. Then they come back and play again at MetLife Stadium and play to face the Giants. So, look, if they go 0-2 in these next two games, it is going to be extremely difficult for Jerry, uh, Garrett to keep his job. I know Jerry Jones has said he's not going anywhere and all that, but we know that Jerry Jones also loves really shiny objects. Uh, but there's nothing to worry about because uh, Michael Irvin has, has a great suggestion. He says, listen, just sign Antonio Brown. It'll fix everything. <laughs> I would actually love to see them sign Antonio Brown for that reason. Uh, you, think he, you think he's got any shot at getting back in the league this year? Moose, owners and coaches are so short-sighted when it comes to fixing things with fantastic talents, no matter how all the off-field, off-field stuff works out. Now, I don't imagine he's coming back to the Patriots because it sounds like Bob Kraft said absolutely not, but I wouldn't be surprised if they wanted to bring him back given how – depleted their wide receiver core is. But, uh, no, I would not be surprised if he comes back. Ryan Wilson, uh, CBS Sports NFL analyst, reporter, does a fantastic job. Hey, Ryan, we appreciate the time this morning, as always. Great job. Thank you, guys. You got Thanks, it. Thanks, Ryan. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday. Enjoy the Thursday night football game tonight. With that, more bogus. you got an update for us. And it's sponsored by Geico. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Because there was no game for the ALCS last night, there was no game for Giancarlo Stanton to miss with a sore quad. Manager Aaron Boone was asked if Stanton will be available tonight. I'm not sure. Stanton was hurt in game one, <laughs> didn't play the next two, uh, but might have been available to pinch hit Tuesday. Uh, the rescheduled game four has Zach Greinke and Masahiro Tanaka on the mound. Uh, Certainly the Yankees, it. but maybe the Astros too. <laughs> Thank you. Able to delay a bullpen game because of Mother Nature. First pitch tonight is shortly after 5 Pacific. As expected, the Angels hired Joe Madden as manager yesterday. Tonight, we've got the Broncos and the Chiefs in Denver on Thursday night football. And from the NBA, the Celtics have a number of young players that need to get paid in the coming years. Jalen Brown's one of them. He reportedly turned down a four-year, $80 million offer recently because he probably can get more on the open market. It must be nice to be Jalen Brown. Moose? No question about that. Yes, I, I agree with you there. All right, 855-212-4227. Joe Madden. The new man out west with the Angels. To mix a little baseball back into the conversation. David Deal, the great David Deal, uh, my co-host on Sunday mornings on WFAN locally in New York, will join Andrew and myself, top of the third and final hour. We'll run around the week seven slate with David uh, as we take it right up until 9 a.m. Eastern time. You know where you're at. Series at XM206, all of our great affiliates all across the country. It's Taz, it's Moose, Bogish in the house, CBS Sports Radio. It's Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio.
listening to Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. All right, CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line brought to you by Geico. Great news. Quick way you can save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on your car insurance. The team of the week is brought to you by Ferguson. This week's team, it's the Washington Nationals. The Nats finished off a four-game sweep of the St. Louis Cardinals with a 7-4 victory game for the NLCS. It's their first World Series appearance in team history, first for the D.C. area since all the way back in 1933, boys and girls. They will travel to either New York or Houston this coming Tuesday for Game 1 of the World Series. It's all brought to you by Ferguson. Hey, Trade Pros, Ferguson is proud to be a part of what you do with over 1,000 one-stop shop counter locations, expert associates, and an unmatched selection of OEA of OEM repair parts. Learn more at Ferguson.com. Uh, Mark Malusis, Andrew Bogish with you. It is Taz of the Moose here on this Thursday morning. And uh hinted upon it earlier, the Angels have got the their new manager, and that is uh Joe Madden, who uh you know former Ray, former Cub, longtime Angel as well, part of that organization, part of that team, sixty five years of age. Uh, he comes back to Los Angeles and comes back to Anaheim uh, to manage the Angels here moving forward. The deal is reportedly a three-year deal worth anywhere between 12 and $15 million. A little bit of a cake, uh, uh, pay cut, took a little bit of a haircut. He was making $6 million a year as he was manager of the Chicago Cubs, helped deliver that team. Um, a World Series title for the first time since, what was it, 1908? And did he, his contract just was expiring, right? Expired. So he didn't even get a check on the way out the door from them to make, to balance out the little small decrease in Anaheim. Right, correct. So, I mean, and and listen, Matt, it makes sense. You know, he, he's of a good course. manager. Yes. I mean, and but the Angels have got massive issues on that roster besides Mike Trout. You know, maybe they go out and get Garrett Cole. That's mm-hmm. the, the, you know, common held belief is that Cole wants to pitch out in California. You know, the Padres, the Dodgers, the Angels all in play. Uh, for the Astros, what I believe is soon going to be Cy Young Award winner with the Houston Astros. Uh, you know, he's going to get a contract in the neighborhood of $35 million per year and probably over the course of six or seven years in length that contract will be at $35 million per. I mean, you think about the numbers. I mean, it's going to be an astronomical contract. But, you know, they've got they've got a lot to deal with out there in the Angels. And, you know, in, in terms of player personnel, much and, – and then they also have to deal with everything that's going on surrounding Tyler Skaggs and his death and opioids and, and – And maybe and, the cover-up and, the, and the, the supply of those drugs from team employees. No doubt about it. So, I mean, Madden – and put all that aside here, Madden, the baseball man, makes sense. Yes. Um, you know, he's much better than Brad Osmus, who was fired after a year. Uh, he's a winner – He's going to try and be. He's a you know he brings about a cultural change the minute he steps into that dugout, uh, the minute that they make that official and he's introduced. Well, it's official now, but when he's introduced as Angels manager, uh, everything changes for Mike Trout. And the guy that's got to be the happiest is Trout. He's the best yeah. player in the world, and now he's got one of the best managers in all of baseball that's going to be leading that franchise at the very least for the next three years. They um they should be better than they have been. Uh, this year, too, started off at a real long string of injuries, especially pitching-wise, guys that they were counting on that um that were not around almost from the get-go this year. But they've got Trout, they've got Otani, they've got some interesting younger players. Um, but they have the biggest thing is their ability to go out and add right now, and whether it's Cole or somebody else. You know, they've got money to spend. And then baseball needs the Angels to be good. They need to have Mike Trout 
um, in the postseason. I mean, the bottom line is even if it's just a wild card game, they just they need Mike Trout to play past the regular season, and Otani playing past the regular season would be good for baseball as well. Um, I, I I like Joe Madden a lot. It did not end well in Chicago, nope. relatively speaking, obviously, because a lot of teams would sign up for what the Cubs have done, um, but it, and I, he has to at least be partially to blame for this, so you know maybe the fear is, Moose, that all the things we like about Joe Madden, all the quirky stuff, the weird stuff, you know, maybe that doesn't play in every single clubhouse. Maybe that doesn't play over and over and over and over again. Maybe it has an expiration date. Um, so, but that's for for down the road. I would have I would have wanted Joe Madden to be my manager if I was running a team and had an opening. I completely understand why the Angels would fire Brad Ausmus to go get Joe Madden because Madden was somewhat unexpectedly available. I'm surprised it took this long for them to finalize things and figure things out because it seemed like they only fired Ausmus to hire Madden. That's right. So, like, by the next lunch, they could have had this all ironed out, but it took more than a week. Um, so I, I have I have high hopes for the Angels that this that this works. I think Joe is as good as anybody do um, that works in a dugout. Well, I think, and I think he's, and certainly personalities, and there was conflict out there in Chicago and egos and everything, all that comes into play over the course of time. And, you know, it was probably time for him to go, and it was. And he's going, and he lands in a spot who – you know, he's just barely ahead of Girardi in terms of guys that were free agents that are out there in terms of the best managers available. You know, if I had to rank them, I would have put Madden one, Girardi two, Buck three, probably would be my top three guys yeah. of the known commodities, certainly if I'm in a win-now scenario. So the Angels got a hell of a manager, and we'll see where Girardi ends up. Maybe it's in New York with the Mets. Maybe it's Philadelphia with the Phillies. He seems to be a long shot for that Cubs job, but... He clearly wants to get back into baseball magic a team because he just quit USA Baseball to do so. Yes, which is going to be in your 8.30 update, so sit tight. There you go. Coming up Full next. details next David hour. David Deal will join us. Uh, it's uh, Andrew Bogus, Mark Malusis, Taz Moose, CBS Sports Radio. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 